0: Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Immediately Note Podcast. I'm your host, Mariela Morales, and today I'm going to be talking about the movie of the moment, which is a Don't Worry Darling movie that just came out a few weeks ago. I'm going to be discussing the drama behind it, my review, and the questions and theories that I have come up with after watching it. Let's begin! This episode is sponsored by my curiosity and love for drama and pop culture gossip. Also, big trigger warning... The movie is rated R for it contains scenes of physical and emotional abuse towards women. Also lots of spoilers. If you haven't but will watch the movie, maybe do so before listening to this podcast. Or if you're like most of my friends, turn in for all the spoilers so when you do catch the movie, you can understand and collect more insights to this amazing psychological thriller. To start off, Don't Worry Darling is a movie that's been marketed so well. And if you thought that nobody works harder than Chris Jenner, then listen to this. I feel like the definition of no publicity is bad publicity was the slogan the PR team for this movie has used throughout the whole shooting all the way to the release. And we will talk about that more in depth, but first let me give you a quick background on this tea. Basically, the whole rundown on this drama consists in a few points. First, Miss Olivia Wilde breaks up with her fiancé of seven years, who is also the father of her kids. Then, very shortly after, starts dating Harry Styles, which she has casted as the star of her movie. Then there's a whole scandal surrounding the breakup, her ex Jason, who is also known as Ted Lasso in the Apple TV series, Floris Pugh, and lastly, Shia LaBeouf. For starters, there seems to be an issue with the timeline in which Olivia and Harry started dating. People say that she was single at the time. But some interviews showed Jason talking about her as his partner. Then pictures of Olivia and Harry come out on other news outlets showing them together a few hours later. Okay, first I want to say it's none of my business. I am not in any way, shape or form judging them. It's their life. They can do what they want to. But if this whole mess is true and she was still with her ex when she was dating Harry, then perhaps not a good look for somebody promoting such a big movie. From Jason's perspective, I did feel a bit sad for him until I learned the little stunt he pulled on her. Um and I know what you're thinking, um uh, Mariella, hello, like where's the drama? I know you are thirsty for this tea, so let me spill it all. Well, it seems that Florence has given Olivia many strikes during the shooting of the film. The first strike being about hurting Jason, obviously, who she's good friends with by Daring Harry Styles during the filming of the movie and involving her personal life and professional life. The second strike, which kind of, you know how people say umbrella term, I, I feel like this was like the umbrella issue. Um, so the second strike involved many of the other ones. Starting by an interview where Olivia said that Florence was uncomfortable playing the role of Alice with Shia being casted as Jack. And this speculation came from an interview where Olivia basically said that she fired Shia to protect her cast as he was bringing a combative energy. This comment of hers became more problematic as behind the scenes there was actually a video released of her begging Shia to come back to play the character of Jack, which will completely disregard the wishes of Florence, right? Or so we thought. And for those who don't know, Child LaBeouf was accused by his ex of sexual battery, assault, and emotional distress. Yikes. And (laughs) we thought that the Rihanna and Chris Brown relationship was a fiasco. I could definitely see this one being the cherry on top of that cake. But knowing that accusation and the themes of the movie, I could see why uh, Florence wouldn't want someone like Shia playing that role with her. And I do like to make jokes, but if you are... A survivor for domestic violence. I do hope that you're okay now and you got the help that you needed. Again, all my comments are purely satirical. So please don't take anything to heart. But going back to the Olivia drama, if you don't believe me about the video, let me play you this wild clip, okay? Get it wild, cause Olivia okay, I'll shut up. Roll the tapes. Shia, Shia. I just went riding course very sweaty, but I wanted to reach out because I feel like I'm not ready to give up on this yet. And I too am heartbroken and I want to figure this out. And you know, I think this might be a bit of a wake up call for Miss Flo. And I wanna know if you're open to giving this a shot with me, with us, if she really commits, if she really puts her, her mind and heart into it at this point. And if you guys can make peace, and I respect your point of view, I respect hers. If you guys can do it, what do you think? Is there hope? Is there hope? Will you let me know? Okay. Bye. Okay, so um so much for protecting Miss Flo. Looks like the role of the pacifier is better left for Vin Diesel, as Miss Olivia obviously does not know how to properly protect her cast. And maybe she can find a better role to play as a director like just being the director am i right again respectfully just like the email that shaya sent to olivia discussing the foul narrative she's pulling Uh, and shaya said on this email and i quote i know that you're beginning your press run for don't worry darling and the news of my firing is attractive clickbait but firing me never took place olivia And while I fully understand the attractiveness of pushing that story because of the current social landscape, the social currency that brings, it is not the truth. So I am humbly asking as a person with an eye towards making things right that you correct the narrative as best as you can. I hope none of this affects you and that your film is successful in all the ways you want it to be. Every blessing to you, Shia. But wait, there's more. So Olivia originally said that she fired him because of the way he made Florence feel uncomfortable. And she said in an interview that she had to protect her cast. But then the friendly texts between Florence and Shia were leaked, where we can see how there was a scheduling issues on Florence's part due to COVID restrictions and personal events, therefore supporting the narrative of Shia when he says he quit due to lack of rehearsals between the actors. This was also detailed on the email he sent to her, but it was a very long email, so I kinda I'm just gonna read the, the part where he says this, okay? He said, What inspired this email today is your latest variety story. I am greatly honored by your words on my work. Thank you. That felt good to read. I am a little confused about the narrative that I was fired, comma, however. You and I both know the reasons for my exit. I quit your film because your actress and I couldn't find time to rehearse. I have included, as a reminder, the screenshots of our text exchange on that day. While we did see the text between Shia and Florence, in which, very sadly, one of them, she's asking him where... Well, she basically said, where do you hear that I am afraid of you? And I am guessing that Shia was just wondering if Florence's unavailability to rehearse was due to the Olivia narrative being true about Florence being uncomfortable. And while we never got a straight answer from Florence about the situations, at the end, why was Olivia lying about the firing? Florence and Shia seemed really friendly on the text. Um, And did she really need to use this fake drama for clickbait because she was afraid of the movie being a flop, perhaps? Like, to be honest, like, Florence did make note on an interview about her discomfort on set. And how Olivia was pushing a hypersexualized narrative about this movie, but while these are only a few of the many issues that were rumored to have happened on set, I do believe Olivia had her plates like f- pretty full, um, like dealing with this whole like drama about her movie and the release, and you know just the breakup and everything. But I feel like her plate was the most full dealing what happened to her next. And I kind of call this uh, the Olivia, you've been served incident. If you thought that Tyga getting served twice in public was embarrassing, please listen to this. In April this year, Olivia was on stage in an event in Vegas where she was discussing her upcoming film, Don't Worry Darling, and like, what well, she's giving the whole rundown of like, oh, this movie's going to be amazing. Psychological thriller, Harry Styles, Florence Pugh, you know, like the whole shebang. She was interrupted and handed an envelope by someone offstage, which at first she thought it was a script. Then as soon as she glanced at the papers that she opened, she knew what they were and basically said, oh, okay, got it. Thank you. Um, and then we see her later in court saying Jason's actions were clearly intended to threaten me and catch me off guard, perhaps as a way to embarrass her during the, the press conference. Um... But she said that in court as she was filing to dismiss Jason's petition for the custody of her kids. Another whole shebang that's been happening in this movie, it's the whole Olivia and Harry breakup makeup. And if you thought that Drake and JLo's situation should an iconic publicity stunt for the promotion of their single, then check this one out. People during this whole shooting of the movie kept speculating how, like, if Olivia and Harry uh, were together, or, like, if they were still together. Um, mainly because they haven't talked about it very publicly or even announced it officially. She has definitely talked about Harry Styles and how she admires him. But to be quite honest, like, Harry has never even mentioned the relationship. And not because it's her, but he did say in one interview that he's never been publicly out with someone and he's never been declared or he's never declared somebody as their partner like to the media um and the whole issue with the relationship too was that many were speculating that they might have split by the horrible tension during the venice festival in which they premiered don't worry darling uh mainly because of how harry styles never made eye contact with her during the red carpet. They had no pictures together. Uh, they didn't even show up together. And honestly, it was just a whole lot of speculation based on the very noticeable like tension on the red carpet event. Also, this Pitgate incident with Chris Pine. And if you thought that Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith at the Oscars was accurate, you need to see... Oh, my bad, Will, my bad. Um, You definitely need to see videos of this red carpet event. And while there was no pictures of them together anywhere, um, it did build a lot of tension and speculation from the media on whether Harry and Olivia were still together, which definitely created some buzz for the movie, which it led to the big premiere in New York City, in which the whole cast... Um, attended to and how ironic right after the movie comes out harry and olivia are seen in many many pictures together displaying some heavy pda after a day night in the city also many fans spotted her at harry's last concert of his residency in new york city in which he received an award thank you you're welcome also many people have said that this probably started as a pr strategy to promote the movie as harry is a very very famous pop star right now and this is only olivia's second movie as a director but i will leave it up to you to come up with your own concept would you agree with some of these theories or do you think that harry and olivia are genuinely happy whatever the case might be i really hope that they're both in a good place Again, this podcast episode is purely for entertainment and just to make you guys laugh a little bit. But enough with the gossip. Let's talk about the movie now, okay? So Don't Worry Darling is based in the 1950s where Alice and Jack, which is uh, Florence Pugh and her they live in this idealized community called Victory. Um, basically, it's like an experimental company town that houses the men who work in some top secret project. And while the husband's go to work, the wives get to enjoy this luxurious lifestyle of their seemingly perfect paradise. However, when a sudden change happens in Alice's life, uh, she starts seeing the cracks in this perfect lifestyle. Exposing some kind of flashes about something almost sinister within her. And obviously she can't help but start questioning exactly what she's doing or why the fuck are they even in this like town. Um but I don't know, like the movie kind of reminded me of a modern, more like gorgeous version of The Matrix, if that makes sense. If you do watch it and you kind of feel the same way, please let me know. Um But however, like I thought it was a really good film. I was mostly impressed with the views and the setting. Like wow, they were so so nice. And I am not talking about Harry Styles dressed up in a tux. I am talking about the beautiful, beautiful setting. So like the mountains, the desert, the house and the cars. Oh my goodness. Like sign me up. Um, it kind of reminded me of like all the urban communities in Florida in like the late 90s. And I'm saying this because I have some family there and I, it kind of reminds me of their old neighborhood. Also, the cells from the 50s were just like immaculate. The hair, the clothes were amazing. I love how they made it like a modern version of the 50s home with the decor and what really took me back was the green tub. Like if you are familiar with like interior design, I feel like you might have caught that too and be like, "Wow, like yes, that's so 50s. Like that's amazing." Anyways, as to for like the thriller aspect of it, I feel like you had the right amount of scares for a thriller. I, I am kind of a jumpy person. So for me, a thriller, it's, it could also be a horror movie. Cause I do tend to get scared easily. <laughs> and like what really caught my eye was the theme of red within the movie, uh, representing the blood and like creepy things like the nurse's lipstick and the men in the red jumpsuits who kind of reminded me of the Oompa Loompas from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, but also the splashes of blood every time she would lose consciousness from going in and out of victory. Um, Like, what was that? And let's not forget Jack in real life. Oh my god, what a freaking creep. Like, I I thought there was nothing in this world that would make Styles look unattractive, but Miss Olivia really said, y'all need to fall out of love with my man. And nice try, but Victory Jack, or as some fans will refer to him as Dunkirk Harry, which is like this 2017 Christopher Nolan movie, which he also was a character in. And let me tell you, Victory Harry looked chef's kiss. Like, this man was fine, okay? Um, but back to being creepy, um, the long thin, greasy hair that they put on him, those glasses and the nasty beard with the dirty-looking clothes... Like, ooh, it was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. And he looked like the typical predator, like, stalker in movies where Halle Berry is usually trying to save a kid from them. That's what he looked like. And when you watch the movie, like, trust me, you'll understand. Um, And the last thing that made me kind of feel like the sickest was the setup in which she was. Like, the way that she was tied up to this bed with dirty clothes on, plugged onto an IV machine, all bruised, like oh my goodness like i don't know it was just like the most disturbing thing i've ever seen um in a movie like i guess the second most disturbing the first disturbing movie that i watched i think it was called megan is missing if you watch it and yeah you you'll you'll get what i mean um but honestly like when i saw alice like in that setting i kind of had to hold my breath like i don't know i just couldn't take it um but in honestly like it was a crazy ass plot twist um um, but the ending though like yes the plot twist was amazing however after reviewing the original ending i feel like this one was a little flat uh it ended with her realizing that she was in a virtual reality world in which uh she was put in without consent um by jack who signed her up for it like This fucking tamagotchi world that he fucking put her in, uh, and so I don't know. Like he, he, I feel like it was, he wanted her, like happy, but he did it very selfishly. Like he was being selfish at making her happy, um, because for him it was about reversing the dynamic they had. Uh, initially in real life, she was a doctor going to work overtime hours, like 30 hour shifts at the time uh, to support them because Jack was at home unemployed um, and in the flashbacks that she had in the movie she saw herself working, coming home and we can kind of see Jack like not working, he was on YouTube like listening to this podcast <laughs> how ironic, listening to this podcast that um, Frank the owner of Victory in which he basically was just talking about how uh, men need to get their power back because, oh, we're tired of living in this feminist world uh, in the 21st century, how their women go to work and, you know, like provide for their families. and say, how dare they? And basically to explain the ending, um, Alice finds out, she confronts Jack, Jack tries to choke her to death, she kills him, then Bunny explains how... If he dies in the virtual Tamagotchi world, um, he's dead in the real life too. Um, also, Bunny, who's supposed to be like her best friend in like the Victory Project, admits that she knows that it's all fake and basically how she gaslit her friend into thinking she was insane. Um, then she tells. Alice, you run. Then Alice creates like this whole scene where basically most of the women that came out of their houses, like seeing why Alice had so much blood on her, um, they kind of realized, I'm pretty sure they all realized that it was all fake and something really bad was happening. Then she gets chased down by the Oompa Loompas. And somehow once she makes it to the portal to get out, basically, I guess Jack went to the Godlike and made it back. Because Mans literally respawned and was right behind her, like, hugging her and saying, like, oh my gosh, no, come back, like, don't leave me here. And then we see, like, this really cute scene of them, like, being so happy together, saying how they're going to be together forever and whatnot. But Alice said, And she got out of there. (laughs) Baby girl was saying, I ain't wasting no more time here. Then she goes through the portal, black screen, and then we hear her gasp for air. The ending. Um, and if you want to learn about the alternate ending, which was, holy crap, like, this alternate ending that should have been the real ending will blow your freaking mind. Like, you guys need to read it. The script is online. And, wow, it's amazing. Um. Anyways, I'm gonna, I don't know. After the movie and after, like, reading the original ending, I did come up with some questions and theories. Uh, the first one is, like, Okay, if she did make it out, how did she survive? Because she was tied up for, like, God knows how long. Uh, did her muscles even still work properly? Like, was Jack actually taking really good care of her in the outside world? Um, I'm not too sure because she did look hella dirty and she had, very, like, a lot of bruises. So I do believe she was tied up for, like, so long and very tightly so she couldn't move. Um also like where in the heavens were they uh another like thing that i noticed was that in their bed like they have like this like canopy type of thing um to like cover the bed so they can see the like the hypnotizing like sequence i guess that they made every time that they would go into the victory project and that bed setting kind of looked like the headquarters inside of victory like, if you watch a movie, like, please watch out for that. Uh, look at the bed setting where, like, Jack just, like, put Alice in. And then look at the headquarters. Like, they look the same, which is kind of creepy. Um, also, if Jack died and Frank died, how did the image of Jack appear before she exited? Because I, I would think if Jack wasn't... Oh, sorry, not Jack. If um, Frank died... Like, there was nobody that could have, like, I don't know, programmed, like, a version of Jack disappearing just to, like, delay Alice for, like, getting out. Another thing that I caught was that Bonnie did tell Alice that, oh, Jack won't be able to put you back in uh, now that he's dead. So the first time that Alice did make it out, she was put back in by Jack. Um, But the, she also mentioned to Alice before she ran away that they will find your real body like these people know where she's at so then it that's where i connected to the matrix because in the matrix they basically were chasing a guy inside of like the virtual reality and outside of it so i was like okay so maybe this umbalumpas are coming from all kinds of places and after i noticed that then i also noticed that when Alice was coming back from work, from, like, the hospital, there was one of the Oompa Loompas there, cleaning, like, casually doing a cameo in her real world, like, memory. Like, I don't know. But anyways, like, it was just, it was a really good movie, and uh, um, I will definitely be watching it again. I just want to keep, like, analyzing more. That's a good thing about, like, psychological thrillers, is that you can keep, like, the more you watch it, the more you catch. So... If you do tent like go to watch it again let me know if like you catch some of those things that I said and if you do catch anything else more oh please be my guest and message me either on my Instagram or on my YouTube but on the meantime, I had so much fun with you today. Thank you so very much for listening to this episode. I hope you are so, 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 so happy. I will catch you on the next one. And remember, be kind to yourself. And if life puts some shit on your plate, you look at it and say immediately no. <laughs> Take care.